Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together today, and as we do, We invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher in God and believe that you'll touch our hearts and minds, enabling us to know the truth that will make us free. And Father, as always, we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise for all that's achieved among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we look at those verses of Scripture, I want to reiterate some things I said on Wednesday evening. We had talked about there are different views that people have on achieving and obtaining health and healing. And we had talked about somewhat the physical aspect of healing and health and how people believe and strongly feel that as long as they maintain a good, healthy body, they're going to be able to be okay as far as standing against sickness and disease and maintaining health for the rest of their lives. And we thank God for physical exercise and we thank God for proper diets and everything that we can possibly do to achieve health from a physical standpoint. But we said that that's not enough. Because no matter how healthy the body is, no matter how nutritious the body is, no matter if every vital organ of the body functions perfectly, still there are sicknesses and diseases that can attach themselves to the body, that can destroy the body, that the body itself is incapable of overcoming, no matter how healthy the body is. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Secondly, we said there is the view of mind science. There are metaphysical mind science religions that teach mind over matter. And in some aspects of it, they teach that all you've got to do is not believe in sickness and disease and have a positive frame of mind, and that's going to help you overcome sickness and disease. Well, no matter how powerful the mind may be, there are still sicknesses and diseases that are out there in this world that will destroy people's lives, no matter how strongly they have developed their minds. Because sickness and disease is more than physical, it's more than mental, it is spiritual. So no matter how one develops his thinking, he still can be overcome by sickness and disease. We also said there was another view, and that is the the medical science viewpoint or standpoint. And it doesn't really matter what man comes up with in the medical science field. The human body, even aided by medical science, is still incapable of handling all the diseases that threaten mankind. And you can follow that through and medical science will tell you that they do not heal. They only assist the body. And so no matter what man comes up with, Satan will always come up with another disease that medical science cannot provide a cure for. Therefore, there has to be another view, doesn't there? And there is. There is the spiritual aspect of it all. We believe that Sickness and disease came into this world as a result of the fall of man. And when Adam fell from the presence of God, the Bible said that sin opened the door to death and disease, which is incipient death. Therefore, sin is the root cause of sickness and disease, which is separation from God is the root cause of sickness and disease. And in order to be effective in dealing with all the sicknesses and diseases that we face in this life, we have got to understand what God did through Jesus Christ to deal with the cause of sickness and disease. And so unless we are students of the Word of God, and unless we view sicknesses and diseases as being spiritual, we're always going to fall short and we're never going to be able to experience the full blessing of life that God wants us to experience in our lives. With that thought in mind, I'd like us to look to the Word of God and find out what it says about sickness and disease so that we can rise up above it and experience the quality of life that God wants us to have on this earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. And just a very simple example. Remember the fellow that Jesus said, Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you? That man could have been in the best physical condition, 
that man could have had his mind developed. That man could have had all the medication the world had to offer. But the man was not going to get off his bed of sickness and disease. Jesus said to him, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus dealt with the cause of his sickness. And as a result, the man was made whole. And he said to him, go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. And so once again, we can see that either directly or indirectly, sin can cause sickness and disease in a person's life. And I mean indirectly by the fact that it may not have been the person's individual sin, but the sin of Adam from the beginning, resulting in the fall of mankind and opening up the door to sickness and disease. In Exodus 23:25, we read, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless your bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. What a promise. What an amazing statement. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Is God big enough to do that? You know that He is. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. Now notice, the number of thy days I will fulfill. Is God big enough to do that? Yes, He is. Now, hold those thoughts and look over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses 14 and 15. In Deuteronomy seven fourteen, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord, Jehovah God, will take away from thee all sickness. I want you to notice those words again. He will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Once again, we have revealed to us God's highest and perfect will for His people. That we live out the full length of our days on this earth without being overcome and annoyed by sickness and disease. Now, whenever you make a statement like that, you know, invariably, you're going to have all kinds of looks. Because we live in a real world with real sicknesses and real diseases that we come into contact with every day. We've got professional people that work in hospitals and uh, children's hospitals and they see them packed with children that are full of sickness and disease. And so we recognize that and we realize that. But beloved, I believe God wants us to take a, a further step in learning how to deal with that. So that we can be more effective in providing to the world what is needed so that they can obtain and achieve health. Because medical science alone can't do it. Developing a positive attitude can't do it. Exercise and nutrition can't do it. It goes beyond all that. And as we see here in these verses of Scripture, Jehovah God told His covenant people, the Israelites, I will take away from you all sickness. And if you have any knowledge of the Bible whatsoever, you will know that when the Egyptians were overcome by all the diseases... The Israelites are right there among them, yet they were protected. They were divinely and supernaturally protected from those same diseases by the power of God. If God could do that for the Israelites, can He not do it for us today? Well, we'll show you that here in a minute. But I want to give you some uh, verses. Write them down. I won't have you turn to them. In Psalm 102, 24, it says, Take me not away in the midst of my days. In other words, I don't want to die prematurely before my time. Another one, Ecclesiastes 7.17. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? What a question. Why should one depart this life prematurely? Is what he's asking here. Why should you die before your time? And again, statements like this will always lead to much questioning. 
from many individuals. For example, if that's the case, then how would one die? Well, have you ever heard of natural causes? In Psalm 104, write it down, verse 29. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. We understand that natural causes can cause one to die. In other words, one can grow to a ripe old age, and after having lived out his or her full length of days on this earth, they can go to bed at night, lay down, and depart from the body, and go to glory to be with God. What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with that. But many think and have been programmed to think that you've got to die from a sickness or from a disease. But that is not necessarily true. What about martyrdom? That's not necessarily a sickness, is it? No, they were killed because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And so we still can die without being sick. Another question always comes up. Well, wasn't that just for the Israelites because they are God's special and chosen people? Now, I realize God said this and I don't refute it, but you have to remember now, they were God's elect, His chosen ones, the special ones. And that's why He said He would do that for them because He loved them so much. Well, look at Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. There's no question but that they were God's chosen people. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee, a chosen people, to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Well, there's no doubt about that. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath. Now notice, here's the reason why they could be blessed. Number one, He loved them. Number two, He would keep the oath. He had sworn to your fathers, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And then know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Verse 13, He will love you, He will bless you, multiply you, He'll bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your corn, wine, oil, increase of thine kind, flocks of thy sheep in the land which He sware unto thy fathers to give you. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. What a marvelous section of Scripture. And all because God loved them and because God would keep the oath or the promise that He made to their fathers. Well, let's think about that just for a moment. I want you to turn with me to Exodus and chapter 12. God made a promise to Abraham, and as a result of entering into a covenant with him, and that covenant being sealed by the blood of animals, sacrificial animals, he swore that in him the world would be blessed. We see the children of Israel being in bondage in Egypt, and they were not being blessed. They were under oppression. They were being tormented by those that were around them. They were in despair. They were in dismay. They were in dire need of help. Yet God made them a promise. God made a promise to their fathers and said that He would protect them. He would keep them. He would deliver them. And He would be their God. He would bless them in every way. And yet they were not experiencing those blessings at that time. And so God gives them instruction. And if you read through this entire 12th chapter, you'll find out that here was instituted the feast of the Passover. And in that feast, we have a type of the death and crucifixion, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus dying on the cross for mankind 
is right here typified. The atonement right here is first revealed to the Israelites in a powerful way. I want you to read verses 12 and through 14 with me. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And I, when I see the blood, will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. If you have any understanding of what took place here, you will note that a lamb was offered for every family represented there in the house of Israel. You will notice also that the blood was to be applied upon each household. And the lamb was also supposed to be roasted and eaten, the whole thing. So here we see a type of Jesus dying, the lamb that was slain, whose blood was shed, whose body was sacrificed for all mankind. But as far as these people were concerned, if the blood was applied to each household, they were protected from the death angel. They were protected from the plague. They were protected from anything that would come against them to destroy them because the blood of a sacrificial animal was applied to their households. We also understand that as a result of eating the lamb after it was roasted and then packing their gear and setting out, there was not one feeble person among their tribe. You can write down the reference in Psalm 105 verse 37 and you'll discover that when God delivered them, He brought them forth with silver and gold, the Bible said, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe. In other words, in this act of atonement, this typified the atonement, we understand that through the application of blood and the eating of the lamb, every individual person in Israel was brought to a place of health and strength and were protected from the death angel and from the hand of the enemy. They packed up their bags, got all their things together, and they took off to the promised land. As they went on their way, God protected them and fought for them and took them safely to the other side of the Red Sea where they then began or continued their journey toward the promised land. But I want you to notice that there was not one feeble person among their tribe. I want you to notice that there had to have been elderly people that were there. They were of all different ages. I mean, their bodies were worked like you could not imagine or believe. Yet, when they rose up after eating the lamb and applying the blood, they took off to a promised land where there would be milk and honey, a land of full blessings... But yet, on the way, they all received health in their physical bodies. I believe even the elderly were lifted to a place where they were able to run on foot in strength and health as the power of God was in their life because of the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Now, you can explore that a lot further, but the point I want to make is that God made a promise. And when God made a promise, He saw to it that He would keep that promise. The Israelites were delivered because of God's promise to Abraham. Blood was shed to seal the covenant that God made with Abraham. And these people were protected divinely, supernaturally. From sickness, from disease, from the plague, from death, from premature death, and all that as a result of God's love for them and the promise that He had made to them. And so through the Old Covenant, all these blessings were theirs. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Through the atonement, deliverance came. Through the atonement, protection came. Through the atonement, 
healing came. Through the atonement, strength came. Through the atonement, victory came. All these blessings were theirs, including prosperity, as the result of a sacrificial lamb being offered to God. And by the sprinkling of that blood, the judgment seat became a mercy seat. And the Israelites experienced the love that God had for them. See, they were God's chosen people. See, they were God's special people. God loved them so dearly above all the people of the earth. Well, isn't that just for them then? Aren't these blessings just for the Israelites? See, they're the special people. And that's what many teachers would have us to believe. I don't know if you've got your shouting clothes on or not. You know, Wednesday we talked about getting our socks back on. We've already shouted them off. I want you to read verses 8 and 9 with me, if you would please, because this is my title and main text. How much more? How much more? In verse 8 it says, But God commendeth His love toward us. See, if we could just get God to love us like He loved the Israelites, we might be getting somewhere. Well, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, He offered a million lambs for us. I'm sorry, two million bullocks for us. Three million heifers for us. Forty-seven million pigeons on our behalf. God wanted to show us how much He loved us. He offered one of every animal on the face of the earth for us. Can you calculate or fathom in your mind... Since the day of the Passover, the first Passover was instituted in, in Israel and all of the Israelites had to practice this feast and, and offer up a, a lamb for every household. Can you imagine how many lambs since the institution thereof were offered? Can you imagine how many? Can you imagine how much blood was shed? Year after year after year after year after year, all those years. Can we in our minds even begin to fathom how much blood was shed and how many sacrifices were offered to God? Yet, they only had a limited righteousness. God commended His love toward us And that while we're yet sinners, not a lamb, not a bullock, not a heifer, not a goat, not a pigeon, Christ died for us. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I want that to sink in real deep. Thousands upon thousands upon millions upon millions of of animals were sacrificed to try to please God and satisfy the claims of justice. Those animal sacrifices in their blood were capable of providing protection from death, disease, plague, the enemy's hand, etc. For the Israelites, because God loved them and made a promise to their fathers. But God, who loved them, wanted to really show His love for us. And so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at the next verse. Much more than. You know, beloved, the Israelites had a lot. 
but we've got much more. I said the Israelites had plenty, but we have much more, much more than being justified by not the blood of a goat, not the blood of a heifer, not the blood of a bullock, not the blood of a dove or a pigeon, much more than being justified by His blood. You ready for this? I don't know if you can stand it. We shall be saved. The word saved in the Greek is sozo. And it means saved, healed, delivered, protected, set free. Much more than the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt. Much more than the Israelites were protected by the hand of God. Much more than the Israelites were brought to hell so there was not one feeble among their tribe. Much more shall we, hallelujah, be justified by the blood of Jesus. Be saved, healed, delivered, set free and protected. It says from the wrath, from the judgment. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Everybody say those two words. Oh, glory to God. Much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Oh, let that register, beloved, upon your heart. Soak it in. Let it sink into the deep recesses of the heart. Our salvation is by the blood of the Lamb. Not by the blood of countless millions of goats and lambs that were offered but by the blood of one Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, the blood, the life blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who demonstrated the love that God has toward us by offering His only begotten Son. I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews to verify these truths. And look at chapter 9 with me, if you would, please. If the atoning blood of sacrificial lambs provided protection from disease, death, and destruction, how much more will the blood of Jesus Christ provide for us? In Hebrews 9 and verse 12, we read, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for the Israelites alone. I just want to see if you're awake this morning. Beloved, it doesn't do it justice just to read the one verse, but there's so much in the book of Hebrews, in these chapters, that have to be understood, has to be understood. There is so much there. I want to highlight some of these verses. But I want you to see right here, the high priest once a year would enter into the holy place with the blood of sacrificial animals. The animal would be sacrificed... On the altar, the blood would be caught in a basin and then taken into the holy place. And then the judgment seat would become a mercy seat once the blood was sprinkled upon it. It provided protection. It provided deliverance. It provided healing. It provided health. It provided soundness of mind and every provision known to mankind. As a result of this blood that was sacrificed... When Jesus came and died and offered up His blood, He entered into the holies of holies, but He did not go there with the blood of a goat or the blood of a calf. He entered there by His own blood once into the holy place, having obtained. He obtained something the blood of those others could never obtain for mankind. He obtained an eternal. All they had was a yearly covering over of sins. But, beloved, Jesus... Having offered His blood, He obtained an eternal redemption, deliverance, healing, soundness of mind, provision of every kind for us. It wasn't possible that it could be done any other way. And now, what do we have? Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum total of it all. We have such an high priest 
who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now listen carefully. The earthly high priest could not sit in the holy place every minute of every day. Or he would die because of the presence of God. He could not function in that office 24 hours a day, 7 days a week because he couldn't stay there in the presence of God seeing that he had sin himself. He was allowed entrance only once a year and that with blood to obtain a covering for sin. And all those provisions came as a result of that one act of entering in once a year. And every year a sacrifice was made. Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is sitting at the Father's hand, right hand right now, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, where He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is right there representing us to the Father right now, every minute of every single day. Because of His sacrifice. Verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices whereof it is necessary that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished to God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. In other words, he had to follow the design that was in heaven on earth, and Moses did exactly what he said to do, And everything that was done by the Levitical priesthood was done as ordered by God. It was a pattern of things that were in the heavens, but it was not the real. Now listen to the next verse. But now hath he obtained. He hath obtained what? A more excellent ministry than any of the high priests that ever lived. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. We have a better sacrifice who offered better blood, who obtains a better redemption, meaning we have a better covenant. So what God could do for the Israelites, being a chosen people, special, ones that He loved because of their fathers, if He could do what He did for them... By the sacrificial blood of animals. Thank God we've got a better covenant. It's established upon better promises. We have a better high priest. A better sacrifice was made. And all the promises of God to us are yea and amen through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, everybody say never, Never. with those sacrifices which they offered, how often? Year by year, continually make the comers thereunto, notice the key word here, what? Perfect. The blood of those sacrificial lambs offered year after year after year after year after year could never make the worshipers perfect. Never. It's an impossibility. It could never happen in this lifetime. Okay, so keep that in mind. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? In other words, if they could, if perfection was achieved, they would have stopped offering the sacrifices. Correct? Correct. Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. Next verse. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. To do thy will, O God, above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had his pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he might may establish the second. By the which 
will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never, again, I emphasize, never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting to his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath. For by one offering he hath. For by one offering he accomplished what millions of offerings could never succeed in accomplishing. One offering himself, his own blood, he hath perfected for a short time. For how long? Who? Who's perfected? Who is perfected? For how long? By what? I better read that again. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you sanctified by the blood of Jesus? I've got some news for you. You're perfected. Did you hear that? You are perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ right now. For by a single offering, He has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy, says the Amplified. Beloved, the blood of Jesus Christ did for us what the blood of those animals could never do. In the sight of God, we are what God was looking for. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been washed from our sins and we are made whole. And the cause of the disease problem has been dealt with. For on the cross, Jesus bore our sin as well as our sickness and disease and mental anguish and carried our pain. He went to the root cause of sickness and and disease, and took it upon Himself, as well as our sin and separation from God. He carried it to another place where He paid the sacrifice and left it behind, never once again to be bothered with it. He took then His only blood, His holy blood, and beloved, once again, would to God that we could have some kind of spiritual theater where God can pull down this spiritual canvas. And God can then put, use His spiritual projector. And God could put in the tape that's marked redemption. And God can fire that thing up and have one of His archangels narrate the whole thing. And we can sit there with our popcorn out in our spiritual seats. It's spiritual popcorn, by the way. In our spiritual seats. And we can sit out there. And we can watch as Jesus arose from the dead. And Well, let's, start, let's go back a little further. When He's dying on that Friday. On that cross. They're sharpening the knives. The, the high priest and all the priests in the holy place. They're getting ready to kill all these sacrificial lambs. Multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes. They're draining the blood out of these sacrificial lambs. They've got to use this blood. Well, while they're doing their thing, the Lamb of God is upon the tree. The spear pierces his side and the blood is shed from his being. Little do they know it's the last lamb to be offered and sacrificed before Almighty God. They can do it year after year if they want to, but after that, it has no relevance whatsoever. It has no importance whatsoever. The blood was shed and spilled. How God caught it up in a basin, I'll never know. I believe He sent an angel to do it. He extracted that blood from the ground, the earth. 
I believe that Jesus, after paying the sacrifice, He arose up from the dead. He had that blood of His caught in a basin. Maybe it was right there in His own hands. But I know He went into the holy place. He didn't go to Moses' tent. He didn't go to the earth-made tabernacle. He didn't go to where that Ark of the Covenant was. He left this realm. He went to the holy place. He entered into the Father's most holy presence. And He said, Here is my blood. He took the mercy seat. He sprinkled it. He got all the, the vessels of worship. He sprinkled them. And He says, I am ratifying the new and everlasting covenant. Man is no longer a foreigner and a stranger and a spiritual outcast. Man is your purchased possession. Father God, I pay the price. Spiritual death we're protected from because our household is cleansed by the blood. He loved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood and made us kings and priests unto our God. We've taken that blood. If we could just see that. Would, would, you, would you pay to see that? You don't have to pay for it. But I mean, if, if there was a price, I'd get in on that thing, wouldn't you? I'd want to sit in that spiritual theater, eat my spiritual popcorn, and just let the angel narrate the whole scene and just sit there in awe and amazement as I watch the Lord Jesus Christ penetrate the heavens and go in that place where Adam's sin stained all the utensils of worship and watch the blood just purify everything. And then all mankind, whoever says, I call upon the name of Jesus. Oh, beloved, I can just see it right now. I can see each one being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then each one being told, you've got protection, you've got deliverance, you've got healing, you've got health. And why should you die before your time and be taken in the midst of your years? Because you see, the blood of the Lamb has provided for you great things, better things than even the Old Testament has ever provided. You know, that reminds me of a story I once read about an individual who was a missionary in a foreign land. And while he was in that land, this incident took place. There was a particular person, a voodoo priest, who was involved in, in saying all kinds of incantations and, and putting spells on different groups of people that were superstitious and that believed in black magic and that sort of thing. And you've heard of that sort of thing. And so, one evening late, it was about midnight, they were out there on the street of the city, and the, the priest was engaged in getting this group of people together and pronouncing a spell upon them and using this incantation of black magic to obviously invite or invoke some type of, of spiritual darkness upon these people's lives. And while he was involved in his incantation, all of a sudden he began to notice that little by little his crowd began to diminish. And he began to wonder why the people were slowly beginning to walk away. Well, he didn't know this, but they saw at a distance some type of light that was heading their way. And little by little, they became afraid and began to walk away to find a place of refuge. Well, the closer the light came, the more people ran away. Finally, he being, of course, the priest, was just left alone. And, of course, he couldn't flee because if he would, obviously, they wouldn't respect him any longer. And so the light got closer and closer, and as it did, it got brighter and brighter. As it got real close, he found himself prostrate on the ground, trying to do all that he possibly could to overcome this monstrous light that was blinding him. And finally, when he was able to pull himself together and discover what this thing was that was so powerful that drove off all of his followers and also brought his powers to naught, he saw a little old woman 
who was coming home from a prayer meeting, walking by that way. This woman, beloved, was cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that one drop of the blood will drive out every devil and demon of hell. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ will bring every devil and demon to its knee. There is power in the blood that goes beyond all comprehension. All those people had to flee as the result of one little lady walking home from a late night prayer meeting. Can you imagine that? All those devil worshipers in this voodoo priest, all because of a little lady. I want you to turn with me if you would. Well, no, I want you to stay right there. And then we want one more verse and then we'll close. <clears throat> you are perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to know and I want you to meditate as I need to myself how powerful that blood is in my life. That blood in my life means I am protected from demons. That blood in my life means I am protected from despair. I am protected from spiritual death, the lake of fire. I am protected from sickness and disease. As he said in the Old Testament, I will take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. If that could be achieved by the blood of a sacrificial lamb, how much more can the blood of Jesus Christ provide the same blessing in our lives and to our lives? That blood is so far-reaching, beloved, I believe it empowers us to be the spiritual giants that God wants us to be on earth today. If we only understood the power that is in that blood. Whereof the Holy Ghost also, verse 15, is a witness to us. For after that He had said before, This is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put My laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Say it with me. My sins have been remitted. They no longer exist. I stand pure, holy, spotless, without blame, made perfect before the presence of the glory of God. And I have the right to enter boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. Having therefore, verse 19, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only does that blood ward off demons and devils and sickness and disease, that blood over you and that blood over me gives us access to the holiest place of all. We have the right to go before the Father's holiest presence and say, Abba, Father, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need healing. I need deliverance. I need protection. Say whatever it is that you want from God. The blood gives you the right to obtain it. So he says, come boldly by this new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled by the blood from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water that is of the word. And finally, beloved, in the book of Revelation, glory to God, chapter 12. And you know the verse, don't you? Glory to God. Glory to God. The Bible says in, in Revelation 5, John, in his vision, he saw uh, the Lord God high and lifted up. He saw on the right hand of him a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. He saw a, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice saying, Who is worthy to take the book and lose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven or earth or beneath the earth was able to take the book or loose the seals thereof. And John wept much. And the angel said not to weep because behold, the line, the, the line of Judah of the tribe of David hath prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And he says, And I beheld as it were a lamb slain from the foundation of the world 
having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the beast and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a brand new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof, for thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. And you made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign with you in all the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels, ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and in earth and beneath the earth, and such as are in the sea, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever. Amen. This is a heavenly scene, beloved. We need to see it right now. The blood is so far reaching. It's because of the blood we've been redeemed, protected, delivered, and set free and healed in our bodies. And Revelation 12:11 says, Oh, don't forget its effect upon demons in hell. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood, we overcome sin, sickness, disease, sorrow, woe, despair, anxiety, dismay. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What's our testimony? I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb. The blood has made me perfect before God. It's His life. It's His blood. And the blood has made me whole. So... Why should I die before my time? So, why should I be overcome by the diseases of this world? So, why should I let devils and demons of hell torment me in this life? Oh, beloved, I want us to grasp the depth of what God is speaking to our hearts today. The blood has never lost its power. Praises and musicians, if you would, please. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.